Welcome to Murder Minute. Today, the story of the so-called Facebook murders. But first, your true crime headlines. A 60-year-old Florida man has been arrested and charged with a decades-old cold case rape. And law enforcement officials believe that he may be responsible for dozens more. Robert Eugene Kohler was arrested at his home in Palm Bay, Florida, and charged with two counts of armed sexual battery for an attack which occurred three days after Christmas in 1983. In that incident, Kohler allegedly entered a woman's home, stabbed her in the abdomen, and raped her repeatedly. The woman survived the attack, and a DNA sample was collected for the victim. Earlier this year, investigators were finally able to match that DNA to a suspect nearly 40 years after the crime. Police were able to identify their suspect after Kohler's 29-year-old son was arrested last year for an unrelated domestic violence incident. During that arrest, police took a sample of the son's DNA and it was entered into the FBI's National DNA Database. That database returned a match to a close relative in the unsolved pillowcase rapist crimes, a series of rapes that terrorized South Florida in the 1980s. Police were notified of the match and began surveillance on Robert Eugene Kohler, following him to a public place and collecting his DNA from items that he had touched. Kohler, a registered sex offender, was living in the Miami area at the time of the attacks, and prosecutors now confirm that his DNA is a match in 25 rape cases. Authorities searched Kohler's home after his arrest and found what they described as a dungeon in progress, being constructed at his residence as well as numerous safes containing women's jewelry and other souvenirs from his attacks. Kohler pleaded not guilty in an initial court hearing and is being held without bond in Miami-Dade County. Additional charges are expected. A 16-year-old boy in Utah is charged with four counts of murder and one count of attempted murder in the slaying of his mother and siblings. In charging documents, prosecutors laid out the details of the crimes, which occurred at the family's home on January 17th of this year. 16-year-old Colin Jeffrey C.J. Haney stayed home from school that day and shot each member of his family as they returned home. The first murders occurred around 1 p.m., when Haney's mother and 12-year-old sister were gunned down as they walked inside the house. An hour later, his 15-year-old sister was shot in the head and neck as she returned home. A few hours after that, at 5.17 p.m., 14-year-old Matthew Haney arrived home and was shot, execution-style, by his brother. Finally, at 6.15 p.m., his father, Colin Haney, was shot in the leg and then struggled with his son and eventually gained control of the gun. C.J. Haney went with his father to the hospital, where he was arrested and charged. He has not cooperated with police, and his father has not yet spoken with prosecutors. Police are still examining the crime scene and electronic devices in an attempt to determine a motive. C.J. Haney has been charged as an adult and could face life in prison without possibility of parole if he is convicted. An NYPD officer and his fiancée have been charged with murder for the death of the man's child. 
eight-year-old Thomas Valva was pronounced dead by medics after the couple claimed he had fallen in the driveway and injured his head and face. However, the boy's injuries were not consistent with a fall, and it was determined that hypothermia was a major factor in the death. It is believed that the child had been made to sleep in a cold garage overnight, potentially as punishment. This arrest comes after several Child Protective Service complaints have been levied against the couple. There seems to have been a long history of neglect and abuse within the home, and their CPS case file is currently under audit. The officer has been suspended without pay until the issue is resolved, and the couple is pleading not guilty. Those were your true crime headlines. Next, a story of catfishing, cyberbullying, and murder. But first, a quick break. Do you hear that sound? That's the sound of your new favorite game. True crime is my passion, but sometimes even I need a break from all the court transcripts and autopsy reports. So when I feel like I need a mental palate cleanser, I play Best Fiends. Best Fiends engages my brain with challenging and fun puzzle games and beautifully animated, adorable characters. The game is simple. The good guys are the bugs, and the bad guys are the slugs. Complete the puzzles to defeat the slugs and unlock new fiends. Like Tantrum, the Dung Beetle, Edward the Mosquito, Jean the Centipede, and my new favorite, Pop the Axolotl. I've just left the frozen hills and am traveling with my ten fiends through the endless desert, collecting treasure and rescuing new fiends. And with new monthly updates and over 3,000 levels, I know the journey will never get old. And Best Fiends doesn't require an internet connection, so whether I'm in the car, on the plane, procrastinating, or trying to shake off those crime scene photos I just looked at, Best Fiends is my must-play. The app is free to download, so join me, Gene, Tantrum, and the other fiends to find out why this addictive five-star puzzler app has over a hundred million downloads. Join the adventure today. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Welcome back to Murder Minute. Next, the perplexing Facebook murder case. By the beginning of 2012, Billy Clay Payne and Billy Jean Hayworth seemed happy, hopeful, and in love. The Mountain City couple who shared the same first name except for the spelling seemed to be enjoying one of the best new chapters of their lives. But on January 31st, it all came crashing down when they were murdered in their home. Located in the northeast corner of Tennessee, Mountain City epitomizes common notions of quaint small towns. Even the sign welcoming visitors reads, A Friendly Hometown. Most everyone knows one another, and serious crimes are virtually unheard of. Or, at least, they were, before January 31st, 2012. 
The city's crime rate in general fell 2.4 times below the national average in 2018. In the largely Christian community, nearly every home boasts religious decor. Crosses, paintings of Jesus, cross-stitched Bible verses framed on walls and pillows. And when someone dies, loved ones and locals say they went home to be with the Lord. Billy and Billie Jean met at the thread-producing factory Parkdale Mills, one of Mountain City's only plants. Billy, then in his early 30s, started working at the factory after finishing high school and never stopped. Like many of his peers, he enjoyed dancing, listening to music, singing karaoke, and occasionally popping prescription pain pills. Over time, that habit became a serious opiate dependency he sought treatment for. Billie Jean, known simply as Billy to many, began working for the plant's cleaning department in 2009. Newly into her 20s, the conventionally pretty young woman who loved fishing, hiking, and thrift store shopping swiftly captured Billy's attention. Soon the attraction seemed mutual. Before long, the romance grew serious and Billy Jean moved in with Billy. They lived with his dad, Billy Ray Payne Sr., best known as Pa Bill, who owned the home. Less than two years later, Billie Jean gave birth to a baby boy they named Tyler. Welcoming the role of devoted father, Billy cut back on partying. In his book, Too Pretty to Live, The Catfishing Murders of East Tennessee, Carter County Assistant District Attorney Dennis Brooks described the couple's final hours based on Pa Bill's recollections. That morning, Pa Bill woke up, readied himself for work, and found Billie Jean in the kitchen, preparing a bottle for Tyler. She asked him about his arm, which she knew had been hurting. After a brief conversation, Pa Bill left for work. Later that morning, according to court records, Roy Stevens, a family friend who sometimes stayed at the home, stopped by to pick up his mail. Noticing Billie and Billie Jean's cars still parked out front, he knocked on the front door. No one answered, so he let himself in through an unlocked sliding door. He called out for his friends, but no one answered. Peering into the bedroom, he discovered a shocking crime scene. Billy was lying on his back on the bed, motionless and surrounded by blood. Roy approached, touched Billy's arm and shook him. Then he, quote, backed up and said, no, 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 realizing he was dead. He rushed out to his car to prompt his wife Linda to call 911. Trained in CPR, Linda hoped to resuscitate Billy, but she found his body already stiff and cold. When she searched for his pulse, she found that his throat had been slashed. Roy then heard sounds coming from the second bedroom. There, he discovered Billie Jean, lifeless on the floor, with a gunshot wound in her head. Still in her arms was seven-month-old Tyler, alive. His mother's blood smeared like tragic war paint on his forehead. News of the horrific murders stunned the county and beyond. For days, regional news networks covered little else. A professional photo of the young couple, looking proud, loving, and happy, Tyler smiling on Billie Jean's lap, will no doubt stay etched in the community's memory. The following week, 
New York Daily News released an article with the headline, Tennessee father murders couple after pair had deleted his adult daughter as a friend on Facebook, authorities say. But as is usually the case with headlines, it was a lot more complicated than that. The day after the crime, investigators interviewed a woman named Janelle Potter. Rumor had it that she had been involved in an online feud with the deceased couple. Janelle had moved to Mountain City with her family seven years prior, and her take on the area makes the friendly hometown welcome sign seem like a farce. People here do not like outsiders, she told 2020 in 2015. Chronic health problems, including type 1 diabetes and anxiety issues, led her to spend most of her time at home with her strict parents. And although, like Billy, she was in her early 30s, emotionally she seemed a lot younger. Her Facebook profile was full of photos of puppies and hearts, with a bio that read, I'm a very sweet, caring person. For Janelle, social media was more than an occasional pastime. Facebook allowed her to feel connected to people outside of her family. She was even known to try to hug acquaintances and strangers who were taken aback by the gesture. Shortly after, they would discover that she had sent them a Facebook friend request. When Janelle's dad, known as Buddy, mentioned yet another one of these instances to a sheriff in passing, the deputy suggested he do away with her computer. But that computer, Buddy said, was all his daughter had. In 2009, Janelle finally began making in-real-life friends with some of the locals, including Billy. That may have been the beginning of her obsession with Billy, attorney Brooks told The Sun. He included her in social occasions, like going rock climbing or just hanging out, to someone like Janelle, who led such a boring, sheltered life that must have seemed like something special. Pharmacy clerk Tracy Greenwell befriended Janelle, too. She and her friends felt sorry for Janelle, she said, given how sheltered and sick she often was. Tracy introduced Janelle to Billy's cousin, Jamie Curd. A romance blossomed, which Janelle kept secret from her parents. But many have speculated that Janelle also had a crush on Billy. The next year, when Billy started dating Billie Jean, Janelle accused the friend group of cyberbullying and unfriending her on Facebook. She told her parents that they bombarded her with threats of violence, bothered her with prank phone calls, and drove past their home just to frighten her. As for why they turned on her, Janelle stated that she was simply too pretty. Billy, Billie Jean, and their friends insisted that the opposite had been happening, that Janelle was harassing them. The day after the murders, Janelle and her parents denied knowing anything about what happened. Janelle's boyfriend, Jamie, said he was clueless, too. At the police station, after failing a lie detector test, he asked investigators a bizarre question. Is the CIA here? Why in the world would this CIA have anything to do with this case? Footage from that police interview shows Jamie slumped into a black office chair in the deputy's office. He's wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses, even though it was after 10 p.m., and he just looks uncomfortable. At one point, a deputy leans toward him and says, I'll tell you what's going to make you feel better when you tell us the truth. He then asks Jamie flat out, who shot him? 
He did. He who, buddy? Yes. Jamie had just accused Janelle's father, a former Marine who was getting up in years and relied on an oxygen tank to breathe normally. He then agrees to help detectives catch the man. He calls Buddy with a recorder running and says to him, Well, they're pointing fingers. You got rid of everything that was from Bills, didn't you? Yes, Buddy confirms he had. Which was enough for officers to arrest the man in the middle of the night. Given Buddy's reputation for being gun-loving and gun-toting, police took extra precautions when they approached the home. Good thing they did because as they approached, Buddy reached behind his back for a gun. They were able to arrest him, though, and questioned him at length. A cold-blooded killer or protector of your family? An officer prompted him. Which one are you? I'm a protector of my family to start with, he replied, but I did not do this. Then the detective told Buddy he knew he was sick and tired of people attacking and harassing his daughter. This approach, sympathizing with the man, started working. Buddy spoke of threats on his life and his wife's since the bullying had started. Visibly shaken and fighting tears, he added, When you hear people plotting to catch your daughter in a restroom and murder her, they want to rape her because she's a virgin. Several hours into the questioning, Buddy was full on crying. One of the officers asked Buddy whether his wife Barbara and Janelle knew what he had done. No, he replied. That wasn't exactly a confession, but it was close. So the officers let him call Barbara. Once she answered, Buddy said, Before you find out from somebody else, I want you to know I was involved in it. I did it. Some of it. Later, in an interview with ABC News, Barbara detailed issues she had with that confession. He was without oxygen and pressed for hours, she said which could have led him to make false statements he didn't mean. When investigators searched the Potter home, they found an estimated 60 firearms, as well as knives, placed throughout the rooms. Buddy even had an ammunition belt hanging over his oxygen tank. In the living room, they found images of Billy and Billie Jean, photos that had been posted on Facebook. On one, the word bitch was written. Not only that, but the photos all appeared to have been ripped in half, like those of a stalking victim in a Lifetime movie. Detectives seized a range of items from the house, including the photos, a computer, and Buddy's truck, which held garbage bags full of shredded documents. One of the investigators took on the tedious task of taping those shreds of paper back together, forming over 100 pages of emails between Barbara and someone called... Chris, who warned that Billy and Billy Jean had been plotting to kill their daughter. And this Chris person? He supposedly worked for the CIA. Based on the IP address, those emails didn't come from some faraway office, but from the Potter's home computer, the stomping ground of most of Janelle's interactions. Had the seemingly naive woman with limited social skills catfished her own parents? Like many catfish ploys, the email conversation started out pretty benign. Chris first emailed Barbara around the time Billy and Billie Jean announced their engagement, claiming to be an old friend of Janelle's who wanted to look out for her. 
Gradually, the messages grew so frequent that Barbara forged a friendship with the persona. They shared details about their daily lives and families. Barbara even started calling him son and signing her emails, Mom. As the tension between Billy and Billie Jean heightened, Chris claimed that Billy dealt drugs and that Billie Jean and her friends were, quote, no good whores. He claimed they wanted to rape Janelle because she was a virgin and cut off her head, and that they had to be stopped at all costs. In one of her responses, Barbara wrote, We've had enough. No one wants to kill anyone, but we will. Janelle's cell phone records revealed more telling information. Not only did she seem aware of her father and boyfriend's plans to kill Billy and Billie Jean, but she stood by while it happened, acting as a go-between for the men. Around 4 a.m. on the day of the murders, she texted Jamie, Yes, he's leaving now. I can hear the car. Then, I love you. Text me ASAP when you get back. Shortly after, the young parents met their brutal deaths. In August 2013, police arrested Janelle and Barbara. A few months later, Buddy was found guilty of the murders and given two life sentences. For testifying against him, Jamie received a lesser sentence of 25 years in prison. Prosecutors' next task was more difficult, convicting the mother and daughter of first-degree murder, even though they weren't present at the scene. The state's arguments hinged on the email records and Chris's identity. Their investigation led to a police officer named Chris who had gone to school with Janelle. The man had only vague memories of her, but he obviously made an impact. She even stole his Facebook profile photo to pair with a CIA persona. In addition to those damning emails, investigators found posts Janelle seemed to have written under pseudonyms on an online forum called Topics. Many were shared by the state at the trial, including these excerpts. I know Billie Jean, that bitch, has lived with more guys and had sex with 80% of Mountain City. And this girl, Janelle, I do know in passing, but she is a good girl and was brought up right. You can tell everything is you're welcome and hello and thank you, and she is just a sweet girl. I will be praying for Janelle. A message directed at Billie Jean said, Fuck you and Bill and your fucking so-called little baby. Fuck them. I hope they die, die, die. Throughout a six-day trial, the prosecution made the case that Janelle friended everyone she bullied, including the murder victims, on Facebook, and then accused them all of harassing and stalking her. And that she and Barbara pushed Janelle's father and boyfriend to kill. When Christy Groover, another daughter of Barbara and Buddy, took the stand, she testified that she did not have a good relationship with her family, especially her mom. She also said while she tried to maintain a good relationship with Janelle, her sister made that difficult. Janelle has trouble differentiating between jokes and reality, she said, giving the example of a time Janelle claimed she had untreatable cancer. Janelle had been coddled by their parents her entire life, said Christy, and she knew how to manipulate them. The defense tried to show that Janelle's beau, Jamie, could have typed the emails in question. A neuropsychologist testified that Janelle functions intellectually at a fourth grade level, so how could she be competent enough to hack computers or know what she was typing? 
In the end, both Janelle and Barbara were found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder. Additionally, Barbara was found guilty of tampering with evidence for tearing photos of the murder victims in front of police. Both women continued to deny any involvement in the murders. After the verdict was read, loved ones of Billy Payne and Billie Jean Hayworth hugged and cried. It was like tons lifted off of me, Beverly Garland, Billy's mom, told Johnson City's WJHL-TV. It was just like you're sitting there on pins and needles, but finally, justice for Billy and Billie Jean. It's just like we can breathe now. Catfishing doesn't usually lead to the slaying of innocent people, but it does bring harm to countless people. An estimated 83 million Facebook accounts are fake, and nearly 30% of people have been harassed or made to feel uncomfortable by people assuming false identities. Experts cite boredom, loneliness, and revenge as common reasons. And like Janelle, many catfishers have a history of compulsive lying and low self-esteem. For the families of Billy Payne and Billy Jean Hayworth, these issues go far beyond statistics. They are life or death matters that stole their beloved kin. Billie Jean is remembered for her love of the outdoors, a good bargain, and spending time with little Tyler. Billie was an avid coin collector who shared Billie Jean's penchant for flea markets. Both attended church and cherished their families. The year following their murders, an obituary for Billie's father, Pa Bill, ran in the local paper. It said he died of a broken heart. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.